0: You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi. I'm Julie Larson Brischer, science and technology editor for Meeting Place magazine. Welcome to episode 10 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking big data, analytics, and smart manufacturing with Mark Carter, CEO of MC Squared Enterprises, an independent consulting firm with in-depth expertise in food safety, technology development and deployment, and the life science business. Mark is a food and public health microbiologist and entrepreneur with extensive international experience in technical and business activities in the food industry. He most recently served as Chief Operating Officer of Matrix Sciences, as well as Executive Vice President of Corporate Development, where he was responsible for the company's mergers and acquisitions activities. He's led teams at internationally recognized testing and analytical laboratories, including serving as CEO of QCL and as corporate vice president of research and development with the Silica Group, now Miriu Nurture Sciences. Mark's experience in the food industry includes roles as section manager for microbiology and food safety at Kraft Foods, where he applied his scientific know-how to world-class brands such as Oscar Mayer. Earlier in his career, he was Corporate Laboratory Group Leader at baked goods manufacturer, McKee Foods. Welcome to Meeting Podmark. I'm delighted to have you
1: as a guest on the podcast today. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate you having me.
0: Well, now, you and I have talked a lot recently about how COVID-19 pandemic is really driving the food industry and specifically the meat and poultry manufacturing sector to put more than a toe in the water when it comes to adopting digital transformation strategies, and in essence, to up their game in terms of better harnessing and using the data that's now available from automated and digitized equipment and systems in the plant. So what do you see as some of the drivers today as food manufacturers step ankle or even knee deep into digital transformation and are looking to wrangle big data as part of their business strategy?
1: Yeah, Julie, I mean, that's a, that's a really good way to start this off. One of the things I see that's a real driver is the fact that, you know, you take the last year. Where we're used to having a lot of people very close to each other in meat plants of all types. COVID kind of said, you know, you got to do things a little bit differently. So, capturing data in those situations and then turning that, that data into viable information that's going to help you optimize processes, because, you know, I think with some of the health and safety precautions we're going to see come into place in the meat industry, I mean, this is really kind of awakened people to just the environmental type situations where, you know, again, how close people are working, how fast the line's going, I think it's going to help them capture data to optimize how they run their businesses under these new conditions to go go continue to realize the profits that they have and, and maintain margins when the cost of business may go up a little bit from the safety precautions.
0: Well, what are some of the opportunities and hurdles in terms of data collection and management as part of businesses industry 4.0 initiative like especially in food and meat processing operations you know are we are we making progress toward moving from i think you put it as spreadsheet silos to business intelligence
1: yes i think we're making a whole lot of strides in that area as you see companies evolve or that have come into the market in the last 10 years One of the biggest drivers for that is the ease and simplicity of using cloud-based systems where before, you know, gathering data may have been a thing where we did it at a local workstation, right? I mean, I'm really familiar with how, hey, we took all of our weights at a weigh station and all that stuff went to one spot. But then to be able to get a broader picture of what you're doing, you had to go to each one of those spots, collect the data, aggregate it, and then figure out how to use it. And just crunching numbers and putting things together was tougher. The idea now is that with the IoT devices and a lot of the other things that you and I have discussed. People are able to collect data instantaneously, right? And instead of having to go and have the real physical portion of it be tedious, you can have that all in one spot at your fingertips to see now. You know, and that's really, I think, where the bigger the bigger leaps have been made to help businesses really now start to develop large data lakes and pools of, of data that they can use to make the business better and really have business intelligence.
0: That is a huge opportunity. Would you say then when you mentioned data lakes is like the challenges around how much of that data you're getting it so fast and so much, how do you sort it out, you know, to actually use it, to make it meaningful?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the the heads and tails of it is the hard part, right? I think data collection at this, at the point now, as you've all you have often heard people say, hey, maybe we're getting too much data. I think the next step of it is using apps, software, some of the things that we're seeing in the marketplace now, analytics platforms. You, know, you see companies using programs from Microsoft, Tableau, other things like that to help really aggregate that data. Now, I think the harder part is... Are you aggregating it in a way that makes sense to you? Or are you just looking at something that you can't relate back to your business? So that's the real next step when you say business intelligence is, yeah, there's tons and tons and tons of data out there. But then finding out what's meaningful and focusing on those things are what, where the business intelligence programs come, come into come in, and systems come into play.
0: Well, once you've got the data... What's a good approach to identifying and obtaining the type of business intelligence that can move your company toward achieving its performance and productivity goals?
1: Yeah, so you think of all the places you can collect data, right? And if I were to look at, if I were to look at where can I apply the things that are, that are happening, am I trying to get, for instance, one of the biggest deals is, how do I become more productive? For instance, do I wanna increase line speeds? and as i collect data right okay so we run the line faster we're able to produce more in the same amount of time but what effect does that have i'll just use this on my maintenance costs down the road right and being able to gather the data and put it all in one spot and say as we increase line speeds per se we suddenly saw an increase in failures of of equipment right or we see other things that tie in that are parameters that we would measure do you see more injuries on the line, right, of workers? Do you see more consumer complaints come in? So to me, where a company is going to use this data and leverage it to make money, right, or to improve their processes or, or really get quality better, is to be able to stack all of those layers of places where you collect data now and measure them against each other to say, hey, are there cause and effect? And that's where it gets a little tricky because it's like, Statistics jumps into it but it's the point where you really are going to be able to do some things I think you know we can discuss a little bit later that make it make it such that you can really say hey we can optimize things because maybe running as fast as you can doesn't optimize your productivity but it's a good way to look at it right and be and be able to see it quickly and efficiently and then to add layers to understand. What factors are having an effect on your productivity? I think is really where things are going to get where you're really going to find value and driving some of these bigger data lakes and some of the business intelligence programs that we're seeing used.
0: You know, it's interesting that you're saying that because what it reminds me of is you have to know your processing system, you have to know your business. We've talked about that a lot over the years about from a food safety perspective, knowing mm-hmm. your business helps you identify where your critical control yeah. points are or right. you know how you move forward so that food safety doesn't become a cost center. Yeah. It seems to me that this is ex- exactly the same. You're you're absolutely looking at if you know your process you will be able to identify what kinds of data you need to be looking for and analyzing.
1: Yep. And I think one of the things to think about too, Julie, is the way things are becoming connected is I can now tie in way more data from things in my supply chain to also understand as things are coming in, does the quality, you know, what things are affecting my operations themselves and if I can do that up front with a ton of data that's coming from my supply chain, quality data, safety data, price data, anything that you want to feed in and be able to look at it and say, okay, what happened as this went through, right? Do I have more complaints about something that came from a certain supplier because I can identify my whole supply chain now, right? Supply chain is very visible to me. I know what I'm putting into my manufacturing process where I know I have control over my outputs, and then I can also now collect data from the consumer side of it, you know, and all of that now is available in a way that it wasn't, you know, even 10 years ago. So I think that's where you really start driving a lot of this is when you connect things and you knock down the walls of those silos that we talked about.
0: Right. And you recently wrote us an article here at Meeting Place and you gave an example about how applied analytics can provide a bigger picture for the food manufacturer, and you use this hypothetical ZEDS meat company. Um, (laughs) can Can you talk a little more in detail about that? Because I think that's pertinent to what we were just discussing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so what we're looking at there is a situation where, I kind of alluded to it earlier, where Zed's meats, you know, goes in, they look at their raw ingredients or whatever their supplies are going into their meat process. Then they can look at operations. They can look at temperatures in the plant. They can look at, for instance, you know, for most meat plants, if they're just converting raw to whatever else, does it make a difference if the temperatures... 38 degrees, 35 degrees, but you take all those parameters, line speed, cut speed, all the things that are there, right? And all of a sudden you find out, hey, we had a maintenance change, right? And we changed from, you know, these types of belts to another belt, right? And all of a sudden you can relate that to microbial quality later because of the belts. So, you know, that's a different, kind of a little bit different example than exactly what I used, but being able to gather all that data, and relate, relate it to each other to say, you know what? When we made a change in the process from A to B, we were able to see C happen, right? So it's really the ability to show cause and effect and then figure out what's just noise. That's the other crazy thing, too. Like A lot of the data you're going to collect, is, is, and this is the optimization part of it, where the value comes in is, you're gonna collect so much stuff at first, you're not gonna realize what's noise and what jumps out as a true opportunity. And I think being able to collect it is where you get your opportunity for improvement uh, of whatever feeds into that value chain, whether it be, hey, we're able to source this supply from supplier A and supplier A when we get it from them, even though there's a lot of things we see in their specifications that are the same, but for some reason it runs better. And then you start understanding because you gauge data there. And just kind of build on the fact that the more you get, there's gonna be some of it's this noise, but it's also gonna help you zero in on the things, the levers you can pull to really make your make your product better, make your work environment safer, and and also, you know, hey, to increase profits. And that's really what you always wanna be able to do.
0: Right. Well, you know, food safety is one area where applied data is proving to be on the fast track proof of concept. We've got all these IIOT devices, automated systems that are helping food manufacturers identify and monitor potential hazards on the line and effectiveness of their sanitation practices and and really enabling that track and trace system. It's a lot of actionable real-time data, right? right so as a food safety scientist do you think the next big thing in big data analytics in terms of how it can help plants follow along that line or is it some other is the next big thing beyond sort of that traceability aspect
1: yeah i so the next big thing to me is going to be more shifting to predictive stuff understanding things so well and using the technologies that are now to anticipate when things are going to happen. If you think about it, everything we do even now, very much of it's reactive, right? Now, you can talk about preventive maintenance schedules and things like that, PM schedules for machines that, hey, you know, we have a piece of software that tells us it's time to do PM maintenance on the pumps or the extruders or whatever we're using in a the knives or whatever that we're using to help prepare the food that we're going to sell, right? Well, at some point when you're able to not just do, not just say, okay, hey, it's maintenance time, but we've got enough data to show that we're getting to the point that if we run this line at this speed for this amount of time, we're going to have a failure within a range of X number of days. And so that's where you're going to be able to say, hey, once you move from just, Okay, reactive analytics to being able to have enough information about your business that you can now become predictive, right? And say, hey, if I put these factors in, we're going to run like X, which a lot of that can happen now. But the things of anticipating where you've got, okay, we had, uh, let's say, a foreign material event, right? Right. And, and the foreign material event was like, you know, we're getting to the point that there's a likelihood. And that's the difference of this happening. So you can do things in an anticipatory manner as opposed to, oh, the metal detectors went off. There's something that's being shaved. and not, you know, random events are going to happen. But the more you can try to put something that's predictive, either about safety, quality, predicting how things might look to a consumer on the other side, I think are going to be helpful. That's the real next frontier for a lot of this stuff.
0: Well, and that's you you do talk about that often as a game changer. What else would that capability mean to operational analysis in a meat processing plant?
1: Operations for the most part, though, if you think about it, I mean the parameters they work on are are always looking at how do they optimize things, like I said, to run as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible, not to take lines down, right? Unless it's needed, right? And so understanding, for instance, I may want to be able to, I know for a fact that if I run, like I said, this one station where we, we cut or package or this or the other, let's take packaging for instance. Right. And that's one of those places where I've seen packaging machines just lose their mind at times and all kinds of stuff happens, you know, but what if you were able to say, we've got enough data that we've collected and looked at to be able to anticipate that if we don't get a certain quality of packaging material and If we have any wide variance of, for instance, the things that close the package, whether it be a heat seal or anything like that, right? And if if we know something about it initially, we've got enough data to say, hey, maybe we need to adjust the temperature on the heat sealers because we now have packaging material that came from a supplier that, yes, the specs say A, but... When we've run this and we've done our own quality measurements on it, we know we need to make an adjustment to the process, right? So that's kind of anticipating and using data to optimize what you've got going on. So for the manufacturing folks want to get stuff in and get it out of the other, other end of the process with as quickly – and as a, when I say efficiently, that's where you drive value back into the product, right? You're able to say – We only use so many labor hours, or we only use, we didn't have to take the line down, even though a lot of USDA places are, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to take it down for cleaning anyway. So, what if it helps you optimize the cleaning process and, and you figure out where your problems are? And now, well, guess what? Instead of tearing this whole machine down, we've figured out the optimum process because we've taken measurements. And what if there's something that tells you when you measure it that's a better indicator, for instance, than a lagging microbiological indicator? What if there's something else that tells you there's wear and tear, and you're able to discover that from the the data that you collect and say, hey, so now we're gonna clean this instrument or this machine, this machine, and this machine, and we'll put this amount of time and we need this much sanitizer, this you know. So to me, that's where the optimization of those processes from collecting a lot of data about them and understanding them really well, helps you out. Now, the last thing I can think of too is with process validations, right? So if it goes to cooking, like you're doing cooked product, for instance, and understanding what do you cook it, how do you cook it? And a lot of time goes into validating Kills, steps, you know, hey, we got a five log. Or we know if we cook the 160, 165, you know, we're going to get X logged reduction. And that's an old, that's really an old example of understanding something where you, okay, so what do we do? We measure temperatures, right? So where you can collect data to make those processes better, right? And say, hey, we don't get as much scrap if we only cook to not, you know, if we only run the speed, at this level and at this temperature and our safety goals are achieved, right? So I think it's the aggregation of all these things that we might have in different spots. You know, oh, guess what? We don't have to tear the machine down as often either because we're not running it as fast or it runs best at this speed as opposed to another speed, you know, and all the other stuff falls into place whether that be hey, waste, right? Reworking waste are two of the things that are extremely hard for a company to, to have to deal with. You want to reduce those as much as possible. Right, I don't want a ton of rework. I don't want a ton, of, a ton of stuff that I can't reclaim and put back into my product. I, I want to be, you know, for instance, I want to be as efficient as I can with if it's un, you know, something uncooked or you something's coming from slaughter, with cutting it and uh, and I'm not wasting a lot, and that's precise. And you know, like I said, there's a lot of things that collect data in individual systems. But I think the bigger thing is like tying – like like I said earlier, tying all of that together to get systems that say, oh, guess what? I realize now that factor A, B, and C, if they're set correctly and we can we, we run a certain speed for a certain amount of time, it cuts down on my cleaning cost and I produce a better product, right? It, there's all kinds of things like that you could look at because – Downtime on a line is the thing that, that keeps you from making money. Now, of course, in a USDA plant, you got to have your downtime, right, for sanitation. But optimizing sanitation in a place where, hey, we can do, it, we can do this job in four hours instead of six, we, and it doesn't take us as much detergent or you know, cleaning materials or things like that, that's all data that you collect while you're doing this.
0: What excites you the most about the IIOT devices that are available to, say, the smaller meat and poultry processors to get in? I mean, can you get some of this data collection going, even if you're a smaller operation?
1: Yeah, that's what's really exciting about it, right, is the fact that I always call it kind of the democratizing of data, is that these devices are not cost prohibitive even for small processors right i mean if you're large you can spend as much money as you want to understand as much as you can but the fact that there's mo- th- there are, there are more devices coming into the marketplace that will at least help small processors who are doing things manually collect some of this data and be able to understand it and gives them a much better feel for all the things we've just talked about and it's affordable The data can be collected, aggregated, and you can see the output on your phone. That's one of the bigger deals. Like I said, you're walking around with a computer in your pocket the whole time, and now now you can really put it to use. So I just think there's the IoT devices that are coming into the marketplace help small processors probably even more so than they do the big guys, right? Because it's one leap. The biggest leap is to be able to collect it, aggregate it, and start to analyze it, right? Scaling after that point is nowhere near as hard as getting that first step, you know, that first step in. It's like jumping into a pool the first time, right? You can put (laughs) your toe in or you can just go dive, but what this will do, this will at least let you say, hey, I know I'd like to have this data because to me, the data requirements, like if you're a small processor and you may be supplying to somebody else, the big guys are going to ask for stuff that you want to be able to give them. And you don't, you know, you want to be able to try to take as, as many advantages as you can to optimize your your cost structure as a small supplier, right? Where I can say, hey, I can, I can get this data efficiently. There's a, There's a an investment to be made to get it. But the fact that these things are getting cheaper and cheaper collecting it and then using some of the analytics platforms that are out there, you know, you get the right people to help you get those together. It's more now with the expense will be buying the expertise to help you get to where you want to go sometimes if you don't have it in house, but it's very doable and it's affordable and it's probably a really good investment. For a lot of the smaller companies right it's just and it gives them so much that once they get a base scaling it after that point as they grow or saying hey we'd also like to measure this, this and this it just becomes that much easier
0: right well thanks so much mark for giving our meeting pod listeners the download on data today And listeners, you can find out more about Mark's work and expertise on his website at mcsquared.com. Or check out his new endeavor, Knowledge Drop, which features micro-lessons online that deliver drops of information that are easy to retain on a variety of applied laboratory and food safety topics. You can find it at kndrp.com. Also, be sure to visit meetingplace.com where you can find Mark's recent articles on applying a business sensibility to digital transformation in the food industry in our science and technology series online. Or read his article on smart business and data analytics in the meat tech feature published this month in the March 2021 issue of Meeting Place. Thanks again, Mark. And as always, I look forward to our next chat. Go dogs, go ducks.
1: Thanks, Julie.
0: Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and AltMate magazines on social media, or visit our websites at meetingplace.com, and alt-meet.net.